Hey guys, this is Thomas Brown, and welcome to the Thomas Vision Podcast. I'm a filmmaker currently based in Atlanta, and this podcast consists of conversations with the professionals I meet along the way. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Thomas Vision Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Today, I am very, very excited. I have my father here, and it's the first time I've had a family member on my podcast, or I don't, I'm not even sure if I've had a family member in any of my videos before. But with that said, uh, my father and I are going on a journey starting tomorrow. We are doing a documentary of our family. And so today, I thought it would be great to have my father on the podcast and um, we can just kind of talk about what we're going to do tomorrow and, you know, get a little bit learn a little bit about his life because he's had a very interesting life. So, Dad, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Yes, uh, my name is Thomas Brown Sr., and I'm so glad to be here today and being able to um, listen to my son as he um, talk on podcasts, and and I, I feel like I'm a part of it, and I you know, he's, he's, he's going leaps by leaps and bounds and in improving the um, type of business that he has. Just to let you guys know, I literally just picked my father up from the airport. Uh, he was, uh, you know, resting in the car. We won't say sleep. You just said you weren't asleep, but you were resting in the car. And uh, I brought him straight here. So I haven't got breakfast in him. I haven't got any coffee in him. So, um, you know, we're going to have to, you know, get him energized up. So, Dad, let's start with where you're from. Where are you from, Dad? Well, originally I'm from Dollarton, South Carolina. I was raised in a cotton field. I don't know whether any of y'all know anything about that. But, you know, I worked hard. I started working when I was seven. Um, and I started doing um, landscaping, lawn service, and... And I, I, I just picked up a whole lot of things. And this lady that um, I was working for, um, she taught me what a weed was and what a flower was. And I used to have it with a flower beers. You've been doing landscaping. Now, you worked for the post office, mm-hmm. but then you also, you always have done landscaping. Yes. How many years would you say you've been doing landscaping so far? Well, I've been doing it almost about all my life, you know, since I was seven. And it just kept going, kept going, kept going. It started getting better and better. And then my father, he bought a, a gas lawnmower. We was just using a little uh, push lawnmowers. that had a little rotary blaze. And uh, it worked good, you know. It wasn't like a gas uh, yeah. engine. So um, my father told me um, he paid $90 for it. He said if I paid him half of what he paid for it, I I could have it. So <laughs> so your father still made you pay for it. You had to pay for it. <laughs> yeah. Right? He, he met me halfway, you yeah, know. Yeah. So I started cutting grass in the neighborhoods, and and, and then I would go. I think that's why these. you're so tough, Dad. Because nowadays, I probably would have just gave him, given him the lawnmower to my daughter, but he made you work for it. Yes, I had to, I had you to had work, to work for, for it. it. Yes. Yeah. And I remember um, when I was um, three years old, he taught me how to toenail. He was a carpenter. Went to school for that and also Brick Mason. So I think I inherited the gift that he had. And uh, so far as um, landscaping is concerned, you know, I enjoyed doing it. They had neighbors, um, you know, uh, that were around. You know, they wanted me to cut their grass. They wanted me to do their flower bed. 
And it just kept going and going and going. And then I, I got better. And I, and I just, you know, grateful that I had a business uh, when I was 14. I'd go around neighborhood cutting grass and, and, and trying to save my money. And I helped. And I remember um, my parents, they were a little short on their tuition with my sister, my baby sister. And I had some money. I had $50. And I, I donated that and to help her with her tuition, you know. And I just thank God that I, I had a little trade, you know. And I try to uh, tell these young people today, they have to learn how to do something for themselves. You know, don't depend on everybody to do something for you. If you can make money for somebody else, you can make something for yourself. That's In awesome. fact, you can write your own paycheck. I always jokingly say I fired more millennials than McDonald's, right? Because a lot of people, young people I've had work for me. They have not worked as hard as I would have liked. And just like your dad uh, made you buy that lawnmower. Now, were you seven when you bought that? How, how old were you when you bought that lawnmower? No, I was 14. He was 14. All right. Yeah. And we're going to talk about when you were 15, because I believe you started preaching when you was 15, right? Yes. Yeah, okay, yes. okay. I remember that. So, But my father bought me my first fishing rod when I was two or three. Mm-hmm. And he had me cutting grass and helping with the grass since I was like four. Yes. And some of you may not remember, maybe some of you are from New York, but there used to be a store called TSS. TSS. And my father wouldn't just buy me toys from the TSS. It was like, uh, what you consider, like maybe like a Walmart like of that day. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, it had a lot of different things, but it had a, a really nice toy section. Mm-hmm. And so we wouldn't go to Toys R Us. Most of the time we'd go to TSS. I used mm-hmm. to love the TSS toy section for some reason. And But the, the requirement for me to get something from TSS was that I had to help my father doing landscaping. Yes. And I was out there, and you know, probably when I was four and five, I probably mm-hmm. wasn't much help. I was probably more of a nuisance than help. But it was the fact that you had me out there, yes. and I appreciated it. Yeah. And later on in life, when I was 16, uh, no, no, I wasn't 16. Was I 16? Yeah, I was 16. I came to visit him. He lives in New Orleans now. Uh, we can talk about that uh, in a little bit. But uh, I came down there to help him in his landscaping business. And at the end of that summer, I remember, and it was it's, it's a, a word and phrase uh, that I still wear with pride today. He told me I was a stepper. That summer, he said he was going to make me a stepper. Yeah. And what a stepper was is someone who worked hard, didn't complain, and got the job done. But not only got the job done, but did a good job. Yes. And my father telling me that I was a stepper, I've said that all throughout my life. And I've said it to my assistants that I've had. I was like, man, I got to try to make you a stepper. And um, and I really appreciate that, Dad. And I, I just wanted to say that. So so going, you know, back in time again, you were fourteen. You got your first lawnmower. That's when you started landscaping. So mm-hmm. you actually started landscaping. You've been doing landscaping a little bit longer than you've been preaching, but only by a year. You yeah. started preaching when you was fifteen. Why don't you tell us about how that came about? Well, I I was called to preach when I was fifteen, and they cut this in the woods. They cut this big oak tree down. Oak tree down. And I used the stump for an altar, and I would go there at night, and I would pray. And then I took my little brother with me uh, one Saturday. It was almost dark, and uh, it was raining a little bit. And he said, uh, it's dark in the woods. It's raining, and they got snakes. <laughs> so I told him, anyway, come on, let's go in there. We're going to pray. And um, I went there. I got on my knees, and while I was praying, he was watching. And he grew up, and he became a, a minister. Amen. So I just thank God for the um, experiences I got when I was a 
a kid growing up. And you gave me, you and my mom gave me experiences in the church that, especially, you know, of course, at the time, because we spent a lot of time in church. Yes. Uh, I still remember you singing In the Saints. Yes. You you still remember that song? You still remember In the, uh, uh, what is it? Um, No, And the Saints. And the saints keep marching in. Yeah. Yeah. What's the name of the song? Yeah. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. And man, let me tell you, back back then though, it was so funny. A lot of times we wouldn't even have uh, musicians in the church. The 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 we would be in the church uh, because we would go to the morning service. Yes. And we would go to the evening service. Yes. And we'd be in there. My father, like I said, he was a minister. And um, uh, one funny story I remember about church, because I was there so long um, and all the time, mm. my father said, well, why don't you, you know, try out the drums? Yes. Do you remember that? Yeah. Okay. And so I'm in there <laughs> trying out the drums. Now, I've never played the drums before in my life. Mm-hmm. And it was so bad till my father came and took the drumsticks from me <laughs> and made me stop. Now, remember, I'm in front of the whole church now, so it was the most embarrassing thing ever. My father took the drumsticks from me and said, no, son, <laughs> I don't think the drums is in your future. And so, but but I still appreciate all that time in the church. I believe that's like what my you know faith came from. And, and just seeing you be, being consistent at something. I think seeing your parent be consistent at something in their life does a lot Amen. for you. So- Let's go to Darlington. There's a lot of history in our family in Darlington. So, so uh, for some of you guys, I, I um, you guys remember I interviewed Denoris Johnson, and we went to Africa. And after Africa, I came back home and I did my DNA test, and I wanted to see where I was from. I wanted to see my history because, as you guys know. For African-Americans, especially what we're taught in school, when we are taught it in school, a lot of our history is either a civil rights movement or slavery. And I really wanted to know, I, well, we're more than slaves, you know, so I really wanted to know where I came from and what part of Africa I came from. But as I did my DNA test and I, and I, and I came back, I'm 85% African and um, I'm from a place called, uh, at least my bloodline, my ancestors from a place called Benin, Africa. And uh, I started thinking about it and I was like, well, doing this documentary on Africa, which is great and I'm so excited for, why not do a documentary on our family, right? And see where we came from. And so I just, you know, wanted to use that as a prerequisite for this documentary that we're doing now. So basically this documentary, I haven't thought of what the name would be. My father would call it The Thick and the Thin, probably. (laughs) But, I'm going to be following my father this week in Darlington, North Carolina. So, oh, sorry, Darlington, South Carolina. And then I'll be following my mother next week in Greensboro, North Carolina, because she's from North Carolina. My father's from South Carolina. And I thought it would be really great to show the two different halves of where I come from. So now, Dad, why don't you tell me about Darlington when you were growing up? I know... In the past, you've told me that there was a lot of racism there, but there was also a lot of love there oh, yeah. as well. So why don't we start with the, the kind of, I guess, growing pains of Darlington back then and some of the struggles you had to deal with when it came to racism? Yes. Um, um, number one, um, I went 
Let me just tell you about my father. He was the first black um, policeman um, in Dalton. That was in the 50s. And back then, they didn't allow him to arrest white folks. So he said if he couldn't arrest white folks, they have to take his badge. So um, he'd go ahead and arrest them. And then they fought. When they did something bad, you know, of course. Yeah. So we, yeah. we got to say that. He didn't want to just arrest, you yeah. know, white people or black people. You know, he wanted to... If someone was breaking the law, yeah. he felt he should be able to arrest right. whoever was breaking the law equally. Right. Yeah. So so they they fired him because he was so outspoken, but he always told us we were just as good as anyone else. And that really stuck with me. And then later on in 1965, my parents transferred my sister and myself, my little brother, um, to all white school. And, and that's... That was like the first integration. Yes. When the first in- integration was happening in the schools in the Carolinas. Yes. And so the FBI had to walk some of you into school and yes. had to be there because uh, some a lot of the white parents were angry that yes. these black children were go- now going to be going to school with their white children. Right. What was that like walking into those schools with all those parents? How did you feel as a did you know how to feel? How old were you? Do you remember how old you were? Um, I was um, about sixteen then. I was in the tenth grade. So okay, so so um, so you actually had you weren't like eight. You know, you were like sixteen. So you had a lot of sense about what was going on. Yeah. So how did you how did you feel? Were you angry? Were you scared? Like what did no, that feel like? I wasn't scared. It's just because I grew up with white kids and uh, we used to play cowboy and Indians, <laughs> and um, we used to have a great time. No, but were you scared of the the hate that the parents were spewing? No, no, I did not look at it as hate. I just was at school. Mm-hmm, okay. And I remember on the way coming home, I I ran track and um, I was going across this bridge. It it, it separated the swamp. You know, it will really separate the high school from the the, the um, junior high school, and you had to go across a bridge, and then you had the uh, football stadium, and I saw this um, these two guys. They were fighting. I think one was Mexican and one was uh, white, and they was they was fighting. One had a busted um, nose, and another had a busted lip. You know, and something just got into me and let me say these words. I say, "Why are y'all fighting?" I said, you can gain more by getting an education than, than you can fighting. I say, look at the blood. And then they start looking at one another. I say, look at the blood, you know. And um, then the next thing I saw, they were shaking hands. <laughs> and I say, um, you know, together we stand, divided we fall. And I kept on walking. <laughs> so, you know, I brought a point out here, a point, you know. Yeah. You know, they was out there fighting and, I'm 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 fighting to get an education. Yeah, and, and that's beautiful, Dad. But but I I I really want to know, like that first time you walked in the school, the first day you integrated the schools, and you were walking to school, was there like picket signs? Like, tell me about that. Like like how was it? What were the parents saying? What were they doing? What was that like? Well, um, we didn't have no picket signs or anything like that. Uh, just that the FBI was there. They were just protecting us, you know, because they had protecting served, you from what. Served, I guess for, you know, getting hurt or anything. But were their parents there yelling at you, screaming as you walked no, into school? No, we didn't have anything. Okay. No parents was there at all. Okay. You know, I just they just took to my class, um, you know, and I would go to the cafeteria and um, eat in front of the uh, white kids, and they would get up and move. Mm-hmm. But I still ate my lunch. But it yeah. Was, but it was two young men, you know, they were Christians, uh, you know, and then, 
you know, let me sit with you. Well, how did that feel when they moved, Dad? They had to make well, you feel some sort of way when you come there, and then when you sit down, they move. No? No, it didn't really bother me. Like I said, I grew up with them, so we had I had some very good friends, you know, and uh, we we used to go and um, um, go to the creek and and swim, you uh-huh. know, and we, we would call it um, well anyway, uh, skimmer dip, you okay. know, so, skinny dipping. Yeah, oh, skinny dipping. Okay. Clothes off and just yeah. going in the water, and we we used to play cowboy and Indians and. We used to, you know, we, we, we got along, you know, but it looked like after you get a certain age and they say, oh, you can't play with him no more. And that's what happened when I went to the high school, you know, the guy that I used to play with and everything, he, he didn't have too much to say, you know. But anyway, you know. Well, well that, I think it'd be really helpful for people. Like, why did it not affect you? Because, you know, there's a lot of hate in the world today. And there's a lot of, you know, this... And I, I wouldn't say new found racism, but, you know, new hate with the political parties and, you know, being either left or right. Like, how can people get over? Like, why did that hate or or um, segregation not bother you? Mm. And were you still, how, how could you still be happy when you went to school? Like, what was that? What do you think it was? Well, God was with me. I didn't, I didn't hate. I love. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. You know, they hate, you know. Yeah. And, but uh, why didn't their hate not affect you? It didn't affect me because uh, I knew the guy was with me, and uh, I just went into my did my classes and everything. Some of the the, the um, people, I mean, some of the students, they they were nice to me, you know, and we started, you know, getting along, you know. I, mm-hmm. I ran track, and even pl- um, played. Um, um, I, I really went to see could I um, get on the team with ba- basketball. Yeah, what they used to call you that English Brown. When <laughs> um, I went to the black, you know. School, then you know, they call me English Brown. Why they call you English Brown? Because I put English on the ball, I could spin it with my fingers. Okay, come closer to the mic, dad. Yeah, yeah, I could, I I, I could spin the ball with my fingers, you know, I could shoot, you know. Guys, I had to say that, you know, I've heard this story, you guys don't know, but I've heard this story a million times. So, my father had always challenged me to basketball for years. So, we played basketball. My father and I are very competitive so i want to tell you guys my father has been doing landscaping and been a successful landscaper for years Mm -hmm. he worked for the post office was it 32 years 32 32 years he had uh, lots of businesses um that have been successful for him he's been a minister since he's been 15 uh and i think part of that is your competitiveness in life not not competitiveness with other people but just you wanted to you want to do great things and like me i want to do great things yeah so yeah, well, well I, I was just going to go to our sports and, and come come a little closer to the mic, Dad. Yeah, yes. yeah. So, so my father, when we were twelve, it was I was either so I th- I was either like nine, ten, or twelve, something like that, ten, eleven, twelve, and we played basketball. And my father was what you call a hacker, right? And if you guys don't know what a hacker is, that means someone who blatantly fouls. You know, it hits you when you're playing. So I wouldn't play basketball with him for for years. I refused to. He poked me in my eye. I mean, scratching me. It was crazy. But I ran track as well. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how your kids a lot of times do things that you do. So my father mm-hmm. ran track. I ran track. My daughter ran track. And so um, now when it came to track, he had a way to be competitive with me. Mm-hmm. So there was a time where I went to New Orleans and my, my father got, you know, he got remarried. Uh, 
you know, um, years after him and my my mother, you know, unfortunately, you know, split up. But uh, he had his, uh, you know, new wife and uh, her uh, daughter uh, with them as well. And so he challenged me to a track meet. And uh, he he had just been swearing for years that he could beat me <laughs> in a race. And I still remember that um, when I was four years old. My father, oh, I was probably like four or five. My father took me to the track and he would never let me beat him <laughs> in anything, no matter what age I was. And so I, I was, like I said, I was like four or five and he took me to the track and like every time I would get close to the finish line, he would just speed up and then beat me and I would just cry and cry and cry. But it made me stronger. It made me stronger. So when I got 60, I, I, might, I might've been 14 at that time. But I was on the track team, and my father said, let's race. So we did an 800-meter race. And, and I have to say, my father, you were probably around like, what, probably around 50 at that time. Mm-hmm. And my father kept up for most of the race. And, I, you know, I was up there training, so I was really proud of him for that. But once we got to, like, that 600-meter mark, <laughs> he was pretty much done. So I, I kind of ran backwards, you know, <laughs> over the finish line uh, for, um, you know, uh, for the win. And that that made me uh, really happy for all those times you made me cry when I was four. <laughs> so, but then with the basketball, we got to play basketball last year. Yeah, uh, me, Thomas Brown versus English Brown. And uh, why don't you talk about that? Well, I wasn't that young like I used to be. He was sixty nine years old. Sixty nine, and years he still old. he did a really good job. Yeah, but you won. I, uh, you won. I may have won. Yeah, you won. We won. But you did a really good job. I, I yeah. hope one day that I could be as good a shape that you are at seven years. My father, for those of you listening, my father's in shape. He still does landscaping. He, uh, I mean, he is in such good shape. And much better, you know, especially look-wise, shape than me. Still got a flat stomach, got muscles on him. And so I'm really proud of you, Dad. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, so what's the secret to that? Well, you got to take care of yourself, mm-hmm. you know, put God first in your life. And you have to, you know, take care of yourself, eat right, exercise, and get the proper rest. I'm not saying I did this all the time, get the proper rest, but I had a a drive within me that I wanted to be successful. I wanted to strive for excellence. And if you really want something bad enough, you can achieve it. And, and, And I just thank God that he blessed me with a son, and he went to college, and I told him, I say, um, Go to college, get a good education, but find Jesus. And he did. And I think that contributed to a whole lot of the success that he has done with the bigography and being able to bring joy in couples' life when he married them. And they have, he had such great reviews. Oh, when I filmed them getting married. Huh? <laughs> I don't marry them. them. I mean, I think my wife, I have a problem yes, with right, that. Yes, right, right. No, I mean, I filming them. Yeah, filming them at yes, their weddings. Yeah, thank you, He Dad. got very good reviews. And some of the views say he went far and beyond what they could expect. Thank you. You've been checking out our reviews. I appreciate that. Yes. <laughs> well, and that, you know, I, I kind of um, got sidetracked when I was talking about our, our um, you know, races and basketball play. But the whole point was, I think that competitiveness 
that you had and that I have and going against each other and liking to compete with each other when it's whether it's bowling or whatever we're doing. Even when we did landscape and we would say who could get done quicker. Right. You know, but I think that really helped me in my business yeah. as well because I, I've always wanted to be the best at whatever thing. You know, I don't have to be better than someone else. I just wanted to be the best person yeah. that I could be at all times when yeah. it came to college or when it comes to my job, when it comes to being a father for my daughter. I've always wanted to be the best I could be. So I really thank you for giving me that. Yeah. And I'm not sure if I ever told you that, but I wanted to tell you, you know, on the podcast. Yes. And one thing I wanted to say, I remember when you had to do this yard, this flower bed, I, I had to go to work. At the post office, and I left. I had to do the fire, but we had to put down the whole yard, yes, all the sides, the mulch, and yeah, because it was a the, new house. The, the, um, the decorative bricks, and not, not decorative bricks, but the decorative rocks. And I came by to pick him up this 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 evening, and he told me, "Say, Dad, today I became a man." <laughs> Amen. Because he was really doing hard work. And everything came out nice. I think you say the owner came and he looked at you. Yo, yeah. So it was a funny story. At least funny story to me for that. So my father, he was working at the post office and he would do landscaping on the side. I was probably around... I, you know, I've come to New Orleans to visit you so mm-hmm. much that the, I might have been like 14 or something. But anyway, my father right. had me there all day. One of the neighbors would uh, take care of me. He would give me lemonade and stuff. But my father, you know, he had to go to work. And so what we were basically doing was we we had to turn over all the dirt, the old, you know, dirt that was there. And then I had all these big pallets of grass Mm -hmm. after I turned over all the dirt that I had to put down for the backyard and front yard. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. a small backyard and front yard. And so my father kind of helped me get started in the back. And then once he, uh, so it took about two days to do it all. Yes. And um, every time the guy who owned the house would come home you know, my father would be getting off work and I would be sleep in the front seat of the car. Mm-hmm. And so the guy, he thought I was lazy because every time he came there, I would sleep in the yeah. car. Mm-hmm. And it was like, hey, and my father would be there. He had just got off work and he would be there, you know, just kind of touching up what I did. Mm-hmm. And the guy was like, oh, man, come on. You can't be letting your dad do all the work. You're in there sleep in the car. <laughs> and he just didn't know I was the one there all day. I mean, it was right. literally all day doing the work while my father was at work. Uh, but I appreciate that experience because it showed me. And the reason why I said I became a man, because when I first seen that I had to, especially this young kid, that I had to do this whole backyard, turn over all the dirt and get it smoothed out and then put down all this. Um, well, we had to put down fertilizer first and then yeah. we had to put down the sod on top of it. Right. And I had this huge piles. But after the two days, when I got, when I completed that task, like basically almost all by myself, it just really showed me what I was capable of. That's right. And that's why I said that, you know, today that I became a man because it was just such hard work. And that was the first time in my life I had completed something on that scale that I, I thought initially was impossible. And that's why I call you a stepper. A stepper, yeah. Thank you, Dad. And what a stepper means, there's no job too hard. and it, I mean, too, too large and no job too small, you know. You just go ahead and do it. Yeah, well, Dad, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, the documentary uh, that we're doing will be on my main YouTube channel. I, I hate to say my main YouTube channel because if for you, those of you that are watching the podcast on YouTube, uh, this is on my Thomas Vision Films TV channel. I ma- mainly was putting weddings there, uh, but I started putting my podcast there as well because it's kind of relevant to the industry. But I have another channel uh, where I have a much larger following on YouTube, and it's just youtube.com forward slash Thomas Brown. 
And by the time you guys are hearing this, because this episode is coming out October, uh, I think like 22nd or something like that. Um, by the time this episode comes out, that documentary should be up on YouTube. And so I will put the links in the show notes to the video so you guys can check it out. And dad, thank you so much. I love you. And I thank you for all that you have put in me. Thank you. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy listening in today, consider subscribing to the podcast. See you next time.